Turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 9. And while we're turning to that, I'd like to just maybe make a make mention of a couple of things here. Some time ago, uh, Brian and Jody were asked if they would consider going to Grenada and serve there in the mission. And I don't know how many of you would remember, but Jody spent a couple of years in Grenada teaching school uh, back before uh, Brian and Jody were married. Had the opportunity to be there a couple of times and uh, found it a, a nice island. Uh, they talk English, but it's hard to understand sometimes. But uh, it's, it's, it was a blessing to be there in that area and share the gospel with those uh, people there and meet a lot of uh, Christian people in that country. And so when they were asked to go and they uh, prayed about it and prayed and fasted and considered and asked for God's direction and come to the conclusion that that's what they should do. And then, uh, as you had seen a letter in your mailboxes some time ago, that the mission asked if we would license him uh, to do the pastor work there at that little mission church, which is what we're planning to do this morning. So the message this morning is on basically being sent and going and I know sometimes we say, well, um, we're all missionaries even right here. And that is true if we're actually sharing the gospel. But this morning I'd like to focus a little bit on actually leaving our homes or our home community and going somewhere else for the main purpose of sharing the gospel. And we're going to look at how Paul and some of his friends did that back in the book of Acts. I was thinking about that. And I wasn't sure what kind of a time frame to put on it, but I thought I'd like to do something this morning, because I really don't know, and if you're one that can't stand up, which I wouldn't be able to, um, so don't feel badly, or at least uh, that's okay, uh, I'd like to actually see how many people here, visitors, um, members, attendees, whoever, have spent time away from your home in mission work. And I'm going to set some times and we'll go through this. Uh, if it was a two-day trip, I, I, I think you can stay sitting like I would have to. Uh, but I wasn't sure where to put the time on it. And if it was, it may have been some of you maybe were involved in 1W service or something like that where you had to go and serve because of your beliefs that you shouldn't go to war. And, I, and that would, I think, would fit this. So I know some of the... Um, like water programs are five or six weeks, and I think some of the charge trips are around that. So maybe we'll just say that, or if it was close to that, I don't know. Stand up or raise your hand if you can't stand. If you, were, if you ever did that, you went somewhere else for, I don't know, four or five weeks or more on the mission work. I'd like to see who you are. Okay, now if you, let's say, let's go down a little bit. If you were there for... And that, that's wonderful. That's a blessing to a brotherhood uh, to see that, uh, all, uh, that you've done that. Okay, if you were there for a year or more, maybe stay standing and the others sit down. If you were there for a year or more, and there's still a number of you standing, uh, maybe two years. And we still have a number standing that have been there. Okay, how about ten years? I think we've got a couple back there that was, yes, we still have Matt and Alicia, ten years. Okay, thank you. You may be seated. I appreciate that. And like I said, it's a blessing uh, for, 
for a brotherhood and for people to go and share and for those that hear the gospel. So thank you, each one of you, uh, for your work. And then I want to thank those of you who couldn't stand or didn't stand for your prayers for those that went or your financial support or your just encouragement to those who did it and for the work you did right here in the brotherhood and in the community um, and, and working here. Not everyone is called to go, as, in, as we'll see in the book of Acts. Not everyone went, but some did. <clears throat> so in the book of Acts, in chapter 9, is where you see the conversion of the Apostle Paul. <clears throat> Excuse me, Paul is on his road to Damascus. He's going up there. He's going to <clears throat> persecute more Christians um, and throw them in jail. And who knows what else he can get by with. He's there. That's where he's headed. And on the way, God calls him like I don't think many people have ever been called. And I heard an older preacher say one time that he was visiting with someone. And they said, well, if God ever strikes me down like he did the Apostle Paul, then I'll be a follower. And this man's reply I thought was pretty good. And he said, God does not go fishing for goldfish with whale bait. Now think about that a little bit. He went after Paul because he was a whale. He knew, he, he, he knew what he was going after. And most of us would probably be goldfish compared. And so he's not coming after us that way. But yet his Holy Spirit does draw us to come. But he did come after Paul in a, in a mighty way. And Paul became a believer. And we're going to look at Paul's life a little bit later in chapter 13 then, where we're going to go to soon. Uh, Paul then goes off and begins on his missionary journey. And sometimes I think it's a little confusing. We have this idea that Paul is struck down on a Damascus road, and a month later he's on his first missionary journey. That's not how it was. There's probably at least 10 years between his conversion and when the church sends him out on his journey. And what was he doing during those 10 years? And the reason I'm talking about this is because I'd like for us to think a little bit about the fact that we need to be actively involved in what we're doing right now for the kingdom so that God can use us. And I know for Brian and Jody... That was a little bit of a struggle. They were involved in the work in Goshen. They felt very fulfilled and called there, and why would God be calling them somewhere else? And so, is it, is it a good thing to leave and so forth? But the Lord blessed them with people that, to take that work on there for the time being at least, or maybe for, a long, for the long term, and allow them to go off. And so, was Paul involved in working and doing something over that ten years? Well, it's interesting, if you go to chapter 9, and starting at verse 19, and this is right after he, re- he had received his sight, he had been fasting, received his sight, <clears throat> it says, And when he had received meat or food, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus. And straightway, or immediately, he preached Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. Immediately after his conversion, he is involved in preaching the gospel. But all that heard him were amazed and said, Is this not he that destroyed them which called on his name in Jerusalem and came hither for that intent, 
that he might bring them bound unto the chief priest. But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. And then it says, after that, many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him. But laying wait, but their laying wait was made known of Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Disciples took him by night and let him down by the wall in a basket. And then Paul went to Jerusalem, and there Barnabas was the one who received him, took him in, and so forth. After many days were fulfilled, there's a lot happens in that after many days, before the after many days. Turn with me to Second uh, Corinthians, and it's interesting how Paul tells us things in other area, in other passages that help us see what was going on during that time. So in Second Corinthians chapter eleven, verses thirty-two and thirty-three, and we're going to come back to this chapter a little bit later, but we'll just look at these verses right now. It says, in Damascus, the governor under Eretus, the king, kept the city of the Damascenes with a garrison. And a garrison was something that would keep either people out of the city or keep people in the city. Um, Kept it with a garrison, desirous to apprehend me. And through a window in a basket was I let down by the wall and escaped his hands. So that's talking about this particular time right here that um, they had... This garrison, and it was under Eretus, uh, a governor that was under Eretus. I'll talk about that in a moment. But go with me now to Galatians chapter 1, over a couple pages in your Bible. And we see more of the story. I think we'll start in verse uh, 16 there. It says, "...to reveal his Son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen." Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood or other people, neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me. But I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him fifteen days. And he talks about what he did there. So the after many days was three years at least. And during that time he went into Arabia and we don't know exactly how far into Arabia or where all he went. But I don't think he was being quiet. Now, I do believe God was revealing a lot of things about the gospel to him there that he would have said he received directly from God. But he was, I believe, stirring a few things up. Because it's interesting that this uh, Eretus was the king of Arabia in that area. And his rule did come over toward Damascus there. And so he had a governor there at Damascus, and either the Jews or he was offended enough that they got the governor talked into the fact, let's set up a garrison and let's kill him when he comes out of the city. That doesn't sound to me like a man who's not involved in sharing the gospel. He was doing the work right where he was at. He was sharing the gospel. Now, just a little side note, and I realize this doesn't have a whole lot to do with the message, but if you kind of like some of the connections in the New Testament and history, you might like this. This Eretus that it talks about here is Eretus IV. He had a daughter that married Herod Antipas. He divorced this lady and married his stepsister's 
wife, or his stepbrother's wife, by a na- lady by the name of Herodias. You might have heard of her. She's the one that asked for John the Baptist's head on a charger. Well, after Eratus heard about this divorce, John the Baptist wasn't the only one that wasn't happy about the divorce, apparently. He sent his army over and beat Herod Antipas's army in his area and uh, defeated him. Maybe no wonder Herodias was so upset whenever she'd hear something. Not only uh, was she told by John the Baptist what she had done was wrong, uh, their army had been defeated by Eratus. Just a little side note that you might find interesting or not. I don't know. So Paul was involved in the work. And at some point then he goes back to Tarsus where he was born. And I would certainly assume from knowing his, what he had been doing to begin with there and what he did later, he was there sharing the gospel in his home community. And so he was probably there for six or seven years, something like that, and back in his home community of Tarsus. Go over to Acts chapter 11, and we're going to read a little bit here about what's going on with the church and the spread of the Christians to different areas. So Acts chapter 11, starting at verse 19, it says, Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church which was at Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all, and with purpose of heart that they would cleave unto the Lord. And he was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And we found him. He brought him back to Antioch. came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves together with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were uh, called Christians first at Antioch. Now let's jump over then to chapter 13. And this is how Paul gets to Antioch. And then it says, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas, Simeon that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and, uh, and Manian, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And they ministered to the Lord and fasted, and the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and sent them away. And they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucus, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus, which was Barnabas' home country. We'll stop there for a moment. Do you think the church at Antioch felt like, wait a minute, these men are involved in the work here. They're busy doing what they're doing here. We can't just send them off, send them away. And yet the Holy Spirit made it very clear, and we don't know exactly how that was. But we do know that the Holy Spirit had said this. I'd like to look at several aspects here 
in these first few verses, and then we'll go over that, uh, maybe a little bit of a challenge uh, for you, Brian and Jody, as we go a little later into the message. But, but, and it's for any of us, for sure. I'd like to look at the work of the brotherhood, the, look, the work of the Holy Spirit, and the work of the called in this passage. First of all, the work of the brotherhood started out with the fact that it says that they ministered unto the Lord. What does that mean? Are we as a brotherhood ministering unto the Lord? Are you as an individual ministering to the Lord? Do you think if this brotherhood would not have been doing that, that they would have heard from the Holy Spirit and sent Paul and Barnabas on their way? And I might remind most of us, if you're here this morning, <clears throat> and many of us would be, of European descent. Our forefathers would have come from there. Not everyone here, but, but, but many of us. It was really, you realize Paul and Silas, now not Barnabas, it was on the next journey, but Paul and Silas, as far as we know, were the first active missionaries to that, that continent, the European continent. The first hymn sing that we have recorded in the European continent was in a prison at midnight when Paul and Silas were singing praises and the earth shook. These people doing what they did spread the gospel to the areas where later the church grew and over the centuries grew and where many of us can take our roots back to Christianity because they were faithful in taking the gospel to those areas. <clears throat> but I don't know that they really knew when they left exactly where they were going to go, but the home brotherhood here was ministering to the Lord. Now, word minister can mean to serve, uh, to give an offering um, at one's own expense. Uh, it means to basically serve the Lord. So they were serving the Lord and doing what they needed to do right there, in their brotherhood. It's all, it can also mean that they worship. They were worshiping God. And God was able to speak to them and to call from out of their group those to go and share. It also says in verse 2 that, that and they fasted. There's something about fasting. And it's been a long time probably since I had a message on fasting. I don't know how many of you do it. Now, if you just skip a few meals every week because you want to shed a few pounds, that's called dieting. It's not called fasting. There's a difference. Um, you might shed a few pounds if you fast enough, but fasting is, is taking the time to set aside the physical things and focus. Just focus on God to serve Him, worship Him, and, and focus on Him. And the brotherhood here did that. And it also said... Um, Later says, when they fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them. And incidentally, that's what we'll do this morning in this licensing. It's what we do in an ordination. It's what we do in some commissionings and so forth. So we lay hands on, we pray for someone, we give them a charge, and, and send them to whatever their work is. If it's here, if it's away, whatever. So they worshiped, they served the Lord, they fasted, and they prayed and they were faithful in sending forth those that God asked them to send out 
Um, and I believe they probably felt like, oh, man, we're sending out some people here that we could really use back here. But I'm sure someone took their place, and off they went. Well, then we also see the work of the Holy Spirit. In verse 2, it says, the Holy Spirit said, separate Barnabas and Saul for this work, whereunto I have called them. We see in verse 4, it says, they were sent forth by the Holy Ghost. And if you go on down into verse 9, it says, then Saul, it says, being filled with the Holy Ghost, did this. And if you go throughout the book of Acts, you can see people were filled with the Holy Spirit for a particular time, particular work, particular words, whatever it might have been. The Holy Spirit was involved in this, in the calling, in the sending, and in the empowering, all the way through. If we think we're going to go out and share the gospel on our own strength, we're, we're wrong. We, are, we need to be called, sent, and empowered by God himself if the work is going to be fruitful at all. And the Holy Spirit was faithful in this. And he filled many others too. Now, the work of the cold was this. And I don't know, the scripture doesn't say if Paul and Barnabas said, now nah, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. Are you, I don't know if I want to go. I just. It really doesn't say what their reaction was, but it does say this they went. And I don't know if someone here this morning is, is here and you're feeling and. and Maybe you're a visitor from another church, or, or, and, but yet you're, you're, you're feeling cold. You really feel like you should be going somewhere and, and, and doing the work of a missionary somewhere. Um, you're, not, you're never going to go if you're not willing to go and just go. And that's, what, that's the work of the sent. They were called, and so they were willing to go, and they did go. And they were faithful. Now, some people might say, well, John Mark went along. And he went back home. I think you've heard me say this before. It seems like Paul and Barnabas were sent, and John Mark just went. And John Mark went back home. Now, later, he became very instrumental in the kingdom. I wrote one of the Gospels and was there in, in uh, Rome toward the end of Paul's life. But at this point, we know Paul and Barnabas went and they were faithful to what, what they were called to do. Now, we have the advantage of looking at the book of Acts and the other epistles and reading them and seeing what all happened in Paul's life and Barnabas's life and on and on. And sometimes when we're called to go somewhere or even maybe called to an office here, it may not be a minister, it may be um, something else that you're asked to do in the brotherhood and you're like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. And you get a little scared about it because you're not sure because it's the unknown. We can't know the future and we don't know what the future holds. And I wonder, I think Paul and Barnabas would have went anyway. But I wonder if he would have known everything that was going to happen to him in his life, how much different it would have felt leaving on that first journey and going. You don't have to get very far into this chapter 13. And I read a little bit of the one verse. 
But if you are out proclaiming the word of God, you are going to face opposition. And Paul had already faced opposition. But you're going to face it. And notice this, starting at verse um, 6 of chapter 13. And when they had gone through the Isle of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew who was named Bar-Jesus, or son of Jesus, which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man who called for Barnabas and Paul or Saul and desired to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Then Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, okay, he's filled with the Holy Ghost when he does this, set his eyes on him and said, O full of all subtility and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? Boy, we might say, that doesn't sound very Holy Spirit filled. He faced opposition and he confronted opposition. And it's interesting, the guy ended up, couldn't see right, and people were saved, and, and God's work continued, and God blessed the work there. If you're teaching and preaching and sharing the gospel, whether it's here or somewhere else, you are going to run into opposition. Now, I'm not saying you respond to everyone that opposes what you're saying uh, by calling them a child of the devil and the enemy of all righteousness, but there might be some times when... Um, I do remember uh, one time, and I don't know if any of you were with me that time, but uh, when we were able to go into the prisons more, and I remember one time one man just kept interrupting and standing up and asking questions. You could tell he was trying very hard to be disruptive. And I actually don't remember for sure the verse that just came to my mind, but I just finally, I just took care of the problem uh, with Scripture and kind of ended the the whole situation. But sometimes we have to do that. It's not necessarily the norm, but that's what he did. So he faced opposition early on. He did. Let's go back to that passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 where we were a little earlier. And we'll read verses 23 through 33. Do you think he knew that this would be his... His life when he chose to go on his missionary journey. Starting at verse um, 23. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant. In stripes above measure. In prisons more frequent. In deaths oft. Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice was I shipwrecked. And by the way, that was before his shipwreck on his way to Rome. A night and a day have I been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides those things which are without... That which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak. Who is offended and I burn not. He says, but I must needs glory. I will, if I must needs glory, I will glory those things which concern my infirmities. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forever, evermore, knoweth that I lie not. And then he talks about that 
situation in Damascus. Go over to Philippians chapter 4. Paul didn't know when he left the first time what all would happen. He had already faced opposition. He was probably aware it wasn't going to be super pleasant. But we don't always know. And Brian and Jody, I'm not suggesting those are the things that are going to happen to you. I hope you're not shipwrecked and beaten with rods and whatnot. But um, one of the things you will have is the care of the church. And, and those things are, are hard sometimes as well. But you may fi- find yourself facing up with other things. We don't know what God has for us. In Philippians chapter 4, um, starting at verse 10, and I want you to think about the fact that this epistle here was written from a Rome prison, Roman prison after he had read uh, after what you just what we just read there in 2 Corinthians. This was written after that. So he had already experienced those things when he wrote this. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me has flourished again. Wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want. For I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. So I think for all of us, whether here or in a mission work somewhere, we need to learn to be content. That's a learning thing. Have you ever, um, maybe I should say, a baby who is of normal health, a toddler of normal health, have you ever found many of them that are contented? Well, they get contented, but they let you know when they're not, right? If you never find out that a baby is not feeling very contented, if you never find that out, there's a problem. They're probably very ill or something. They'll let you know. And as they grow up and as they get older, they learn often contentment. Contentment is generally learned through not having the things or not being in a situation that we would like to be or like to have. So Paul says, while sitting in prison, and after having listed all those things a few years before that had happened to him, I have learned to be content. So I would like to encourage you and all of us that we learn, and we learn to be content. And we also learn what he says here. In whatever state he was, he said, I'm content. And in verse 13, this is where the key is. And this is for all of us. I can do all things through my own strength because I've got it all together and I am so great and I am no. I can do all things through Christ 
who strengthens me. Through Christ. Whether you're going to Grenada or those that are taking over the children's ministry in Goshen and working there or whatever work you're involved in, if you're going to do it on your own, it's going to fail. It's just the way it is. If you're going to do it through Christ, through Christ, it can be successful. Your work, your ministry, whatever. And it may not mean that everything's going to be easy, but you can be content in knowing that we do all things through Christ. Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapters 1 and 2, maybe we'll just turn to that, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and 2. Remember, he says there that we can, he can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And maybe I'll just give you a little more instruction as you go down there to, to think about, and for us as well, anyone, remember why we're either going or staying and preaching and teaching and sharing and working in the kingdom. Paul said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God to salvation. The gospel is where the power is. The power is in the shed blood of Jesus Christ and the cross. And if you look in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and 2, you'll notice... Uh, the, the, in verse 18 of chapter 1, he says, For the preaching of the cross is foolish, uh, that perishes foolishness, but them that are saved, it is the power of God. You go down to verse 23, he says, We preach Christ crucified. You go to chapter 24 again, it's the power of God. You go over into chapter 2, and it says in verse 2, Jesus Christ and him crucified. Down in chapter, or verse 5, it's the power of God. The power of God. The cross of Jesus Christ and the gospel is where the power is and how we can do those things through Jesus Christ and his power. Turn with me to 2 Timothy. Another thing to encourage you on, and I know this maybe sounds easy for me to stand up here because I'm not going anywhere just right now, I don't think. I don't, I'm not planning to. Some of you might thinking, well, that's disappointing, but um, anyway, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, talking to Paul, writing to Timothy here, by the inspiration of the Spirit, he says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind, or clear thinking. So, God expects us to think clearly about things. He has given us power. And he's not given us, and he's given us love. You have to go in love. If you don't love the people, whether here or somewhere else, it's not going to avail much. But he says, don't have the spirit of fear. What's that mean? Well, the word spirit there does not mean a spirit as we're thinking about like, a, this, like an evil spirit or something, but the spirit the attitude of, or when you might see someone and say, boy, they really have a humble spirit, or they got a haughty spirit. See what I mean? Kind of their, their, their life. And the word fear there, translated, the word means timidity. 
in this setting, this, this Greek word. God has not called us to be timid. Now, some of us are naturally more timid than others. You don't like to say much, don't want to, you know, kind of timid. But he says, God has not given us that. When we go to share the God, he's telling Timothy, don't be timid. You've got love, and you've got a sound mind, and you've got the power of God, the power that comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. So be filled with his spirit. Um, and ask God for that power to strengthen you and to give you what you need in those times when you don't know what to do and when you might face opposition. And base your work on the Word of God because um, that's where you're going to receive wisdom and understanding. And you know you talk about opposition, and I was thinking about that, that guy that Paul ran into. It was, in the, it was on the island of Grenada where... Uh, I think I probably felt the most opposition from someone one time. As a matter of fact, he had his little hut, his little house. He had, he had a door like we might have in a barn where you got the lower door and an upper door. You can kind of open the top and have it open and still have the bottom. And boy, was I glad he still had his bottom door shut and didn't open it. Because if he would have opened it, I might have. I was a little younger then. I, I might have been able to outrun him. I don't know. He was a Muslim fellow, and I was up there with Pastor John. You remember Pastor John? I think that was his name. Um, the only guy that ever fed me fish soup, and it was pretty good. But anyway, we went up there to see this fellow and just to talk with him. And uh, he got very animated, very excited. And uh, I was kind of looking for a back door, but we were already outside. And so I don't know where it was at, but he was, and he was opposing he was upset. He was a strong Muslim, and he didn't want to hear anything about Jesus Christ. I don't know whatever become of him. Hopefully he got saved. But I was impressed with Pastor John. He just continued to talk to him and talk calmly and, and uh, didn't seem rattled and continued to you know, share and, and hear him. We listened, and eventually we, I don't know exactly what we said, but we, we walked away. And I don't know if, if what we shared ever helped or not, but I did feel one thing very strongly. I felt like the Holy Spirit was there. And I just saw John sharing out of love and no fear, timidity. Uh, he had probably heard it before. I don't know. But it was a blessing to see that and to hear that. And I don't know if I've ever quite faced someone as, as angry as that man was to hear the gospel here. But it was a blessing to, to be there and to see, um, like I say, Pastor John didn't seem too rattled by it. I think he loved the man, and that was fine, and he was going to share the gospel, and that was, that was it. But there were others there that received the gospel, and it was a blessing. So base your work on the Word of God, and that's where you will receive your understanding and your strength.